You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. I'm Ava Jurgens, and this is the Earn and Invest podcast. It took me 40 years, 40 years to realize that when it came to work, to making a living, I was on the wrong path. I had spent all my youth yearning to be and eventually becoming a doctor. And then around the age of 40, I began to see life as it really is. I had followed a prescribed path prescribed by the death of my father, social, societal, and family expectations. I had done exactly what was expected of me. Instead of being happy, I was lost like so many of us are. After spending years doing what we are supposed to do, what we are told to do, the lucky among us realized that maybe we could have made different choices. We could have graduated high school a year early. We could have bought that first property in our teens. We could have started that dream business on our laptop in our bedrooms. We could have. We should have. But we didn't. At least... Some of us didn't. Ava Jurgen started a real estate investing company when she was 15 years old and was able to acquire $900,000 of real estate before she graduated high school her junior year. She started Personal Brand Launch to help other business owners build up their personal brands and get more leads, sales, and clients. Ava Jurgens, welcome to Earn and Invest. I'm going to start with an interesting question here. So how much are you planning to have in educational loans when you graduate college? None, because I'm not going to college. Not going to college? That couldn't be. Why, oh, why would you not go to college? Because business, I believe, is best learned by actually doing it. And I would have gone to college for business if I ever did go to college. But I feel like you learn the best from experience in business and from books from business owners and courses from business owners. So that is why I'm not going to college. So I'm going to feel silly asking this question because I'm going to say, when you're little, what did you dream of? But before I sit, ask that question, first and foremost, how old are you today? I'm 18 years old right now. Okay. So we're not talking about that long ago, but was business what you dreamed of? Is that what you always knew you wanted to do when you were thinking about a career when you were younger? When I was younger, I honestly jumped from thing to thing like most people, like a criminal profiler, like a firefighter, and a bunch of other things. But around 14, I just knew I wanted to be really, really successful. But I didn't necessarily know what it was going to be, but I assumed it might be something in business. What do you think about business appealed to you? Probably the, well, this probably doesn't sound very good, but like the money opportunity, the opportunity to build like a huge empire, um, impact a lot of people. 
Tell me about your parents. What do they do for a living? What kind of educational and professional behavior did they model for you? For my entire life, my mom has always been a fourth grade school teacher. So funny enough, like I'm not going to college. And when I first told her that she was very upset just because, you know, like she was like valedictorian at Vanderbilt. Like she's very serious when it comes to education. She's been doing it for 30 years. She actually retired a week ago. But so, yeah, up until now, she's been a teacher my entire life. And then my dad has always been in sales. He was like the top salesperson at his old company. But when he like, he actually got fired from that job because his company didn't sell something and he recommended them to like another company, which I could see why. So he actually got fired from that job around when I was 10. And then after that, he just decided like to start his own business and become like his old company's competitor. And now his new business is a lot more successful than the old company used to work at. So I saw like a lot of stuff around business and all that stuff from my dad and like building a company just because like he did it from when I was 10 until now. So who gave you the permission to start doing this at such a young age? Because I'm listening to you and you're talking about your mom and she took a very traditional path, right? She was valedictorian at Vanderbilt and your dad who kind of started the way most people do in sales, right? You work for a company, you build up your skills, you build up your book of business. You didn't do it like them. Where did you find the kind of permission to go after it on your own? Well, so... I guess the big backstory behind it, kind of how I got into business is one day I was sitting in history class and we started learning about a man named Andrew Carnegie and he was just very inspiring. And I love how successful he was, how much of an impact he made. Like we were learning about him much, much later, like he was dead now. So I really wanted to be as successful as Andrew Carnegie. And I kind of just started researching like the best business books. I ran across Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And From there, like since I was 14 at the time, I forced my sister to drive me to Target and like bought me the book or I bought the book. But then basically, since it was quarantine and everything, I had all the time to read and I read that book. And then just from then on, like I just knew business and investing is what I kind of wanted to do with my life. So I didn't necessarily get permission from anyone. I kind of just did. Tell me about your peers, your friends. I mean, this doesn't sound like what kids are traditionally doing at 14. Did they kind of think you were a little nuts? So funny enough, because it was so different and I was in like, I, in high school, I was in more of trying to like the popular friend group. Like this was just not something people talked about. So I actually kept it to myself for months. The only people who knew are my now fiance, Ben, and my family members, but my best friends, like none of them knew just because I wasn't necessarily embarrassed of it, but like I knew no one would understand. Do you feel like you fit into your generation? I mean, I think people characterize, especially the younger generations, as being less driven. And what I'm hearing from you is kind of that bald drive that I see in lots of successful business people. Do you think this fits in with the people around you? Like, do you see your friends being this driven, maybe not towards business, but to academics or other things? I would say I haven't seen anyone in my like close friend group or nearby me be this driven towards anything business related. But I would say I'd seen people driven towards like sports or academics for sure. Why graduate early? So you graduated after your junior year. Why not? Do all four years of high school. 
because I hated school. I hated it a lot. <laughs> it was just felt like a waste of time because I learned the basics. You know, I knew how to do math and at least the important math I knew how to read. So like when I was learning about like, you know, more complex math that I would never use, it just kind of felt pointless and like a waste of time. So I decided that, you know, I didn't really care about prom or football games or anything. I didn't have any sports. Like I just work out at the gym. So I didn't have anything that was like keeping me at school. So I just decided to take all the credits I could and I could just graduate early. Did you find that in school they taught you anything about modern day entrepreneurship or business or even digital business? We had options of like electives in high school. So you could take this one class and it was kind of an investing class. And but when we were in that investing class, it was more about like stocks, bonds and mutual funds, which is obviously they're all great investments, but it wasn't necessarily anything about like real estate ever, which obviously was the one I was most interested in. So whenever I have a guest like you, right, someone who's young and doing things differently, the real question comes forth like, is this relatable or generalizable? So let me ask what sounds like a silly question, but are you a genius? Like, is that why you can do this? Because your IQ is off the charts or you're just different from everyone else? No, not at all. I'm honestly like, I am so, I'm such the average person. I'm not extraordinary when it comes to singing, dancing, sports, academics. I'm the most average person you will ever meet. I just decided to focus on one thing and keep focusing on it and just keep putting in the work to achieve it. Yeah, I, I I wouldn't agree with you. I think you are extraordinary. And that's one of the reasons to have Thanks. you on the podcast today. But I see what you're saying, right? You didn't have any of kind of those out of the box personal characteristics that ultimately spelled success immediately. Let's talk about real estate. Most people don't get into real estate in their teens. In fact, I don't know if I've ever met, you know, maybe some people who are really forward thinking. I hear them start talking about that 19 or 20. How did you discover real estate and get interested in it and then have the audacity to actually believe at what, 15 or so that you could buy a property on your own? Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, again, like Rich Dad Poor Dad, the book kind of introduced me into real estate. And then after that, I started listening to the podcast. I bought a real estate course. I read the books. And once I felt I was educated enough, you know, I started the company when I was 15. We didn't actually get the first property until I was 16. But I just, I guess it was so much about like building wealth and investing. But another half of it was like, I just had to get the property when I was 16 to say I could, I invested in real estate when I was 16. So I could get into those rooms and, you know, separate myself from the people who just talk. So as much as it was like about the investing, it was more like, I have to do this. Like I have to say, I accomplished this in order to like benefit my future. Interesting. Was there any love of real estate per se, or was it like, this is the way to be successful. So I'm going in this direction. I would say out of all the asset classes, real estate probably interested me the most. But I mean, investing, like a lot of people will say, oh, I just love investing so much and calculating numbers. But I mean, I like it, but I I love what it can do. But I don't necessarily love the process of like managing tenants and, you know, paying the bills and all that stuff. I would say like all the investment and asset classes, real estate was probably the most interesting I want to ask in a moment about where your down payment and the cash came from to start your first real estate investment. But before I do, was there any fear of missing out? Like, I'm a kid, I should be doing things like going to prom, or I should be doing things that maybe aren't as directive and aren't as 
associated with things like making money, like kind of kid things. Was there any worry that maybe you were missing out on that stuff or that that you could always do this a year later or five years later as opposed to doing it now? Funny enough, before kind of middle school or early high school, I had like, I was such a socialite, like, and I had so much FOMO and fear of missing out on everything. And like football games and prom, I was kind of like, I was just, those things were very important to me. But once I found real estate and I guess investing and making money and just doing stuff to better my future self, I think that was more like attractive than anything I was possibly missing out on. And the thing is like, you can have both. Like you can, which is always good to know. I think I just like leaned more towards real estate because I saw the actual things like it was actually going to benefit me in the future opposed to like, you know, going to this football game. What about college? I mean, I have to looking back, college was a really good time of life. Like for me, getting away from my parents, being a little bit more free, being a little more intellectual, pursuing some of those interests. Do you ever like fear? Wow you know, maybe that's really an experience and I'm never going to be a part of that. Occasionally, I feel like I'm very fortunate to have Ben in my life. Ben is my best friend and we hang out all the time and everything. And I feel like if I didn't have Ben, potentially I would feel like that. But just because I have Ben, I feel like I don't. And I guess from moving out with my parents, like we are like pre-approved to get a house right now. So yeah. So I would say no, but if I didn't have Ben, it would probably be different. So Ben is your fiance and he, like you, is involved in business and not going to college. Is that correct? Yeah. So he and I, we started the real estate investing company together. And he also started like a a lawn care landscaping company when he was 13. So he's been doing that for a really long time now. So tell me about where the cash came from for your first down payment on that first property. Yeah. So our first property was a long-term rental. It's a duplex and it's in the greater Milwaukee area. And basically, so the way we structured the deal, since we were like in our teens, we had to get super creative. Obviously, you can't get pre-approved for a loan until you're 18. So we decided to do the deal with my parents and they got pre-approved. Basically, when we did the deal, we didn't want to be in a rush. It was like the market was super hot at the time. So you know how it was. It was just very competitive. And so we went the off-market route. So we did a lot of direct mail and a lot of cold calling. And to get a deal, it actually took three months of doing that every single day. And basically in those three months, we did a side hustle to raise money. But before I explain how we raised the money, I want to like explain the deal structure a little bit more. So if you imagine it like this, so you have your upfront costs, which is the down payment, the closing costs, and then any like repair costs. If you take those upfront costs, you just split them in half. So my parents, they paid half of it. And then me and Ben, we paid the other half. And then the deal was a 50-50 deal. So all the cash flow, we just split 50-50. And basically, so we both brought our upfront hats and it was about like 20, 20 to 22,000 in total. And basically how we got that money is it took the three months to get the deal. And in those three months, we did a side hustle called couch flipping, which is basically you go on Facebook Marketplace, Craigslist, you find couches that are super low price, you pick them up and then you either clean them or you just sell them as is for a higher price. And with a side hustle, we were making anywhere from like $300 to $700 an hour. And we were able to raise our half of the capital within those three months doing the side hustle because it was like the summertime and we had all the time in the world just to focus on that. Was there any reticence on your parents' side about going in onto this deal with you? Did you have to convince them or were they 
game on from the beginning? They were a little hesitant, but I'm very like supportive parents, which I'm very fortunate of. Like they, they are crazy, <laughs> but they had a lot of trust in me and they like, after they saw the numbers and believed it could work, like they were, they like, they're not opposed to investing at all. Like they want to, you know, get the most out of their money. So overall, like they weren't like really hesitant after they saw the numbers. You mentioned at the outset, you felt like you had to get your first property by 16 because that would gain entrance into those important rooms that you felt like you needed to be in. Did it do that? Like, did you find that once you had a property under your belt, it opened doors that you wouldn't have had before? Yeah, well, I'm on this podcast right now. (laughs) So yeah, but definitely. And like, I've been able to talk to a lot of people I would have never been able to talk to just because like, I, I don't know, took the action to do this stuff when I was so young. I, I just know it just sounds so like cliche and I guess fringy, but I just know I want to be great. And I needed to start as young as possible. I needed to make myself different because, you know, like, and I mean, it's not super common for people who are, you know, 18, 19, 20 to invest in real estate, but like, it's still kind of common. Like people have heard about it before. So I really wanted to take that extra step to be super different. I want to push you more. So one of those doors that's open is you're being on this podcast, but tell me about some of the other doors that opened for you because of that first property. Yeah. So as we kind of talked about earlier, I have a company called Personal Brand Launch. We help a lot of like entrepreneurs and business owners build their personal brands on social media to get more like sales and leads for their companies. And I've gotten so many clients because of that, that are like in real estate, big names that are not like big names, but just some like well-known people in the real estate industry. I've gotten to talk to or take on as clients just because of that. And then also, um, I've had a lot of people reach out to me that are in the real estate space because like people I never thought I would ever be able to talk to. The reason why you're on this podcast partly is that you pitched me your business for my podcast. And I started looking at some of the content you created And it became very clear to me that you had an amazing story. So in a sense, you're completely right. Seeing your real estate story, how early you did it and how young you were, did open that door. But what I very quickly realized is what's clear about you is that people probably listen to you or want to hire you because it sounds like nothing ever really gets in your way, right? It sounds like you find a way around things. So tell me about some of the roadblocks you faced in both your real estate and building this business, what were some of the more difficult things to get around? A lot of the issues that do come up just have to do with age. So obviously like getting a loan, that's not possible. So you have to find your way around it, which we've figured out like co-signing or doing it with like an LLC or just like different ways around that. And then also just with age, a lot of people, I feel like you don't see my Instagram, but you hear my age. Like you, some people just won't take you seriously. And I guess that's not their fault. It's just like a bias they already have about young people and like maybe my generation or something like that. So age, it can work against you a lot of times in business, but a lot of the time it also like works for you. People like are impressed. And yeah, I would say a lot of the roadblocks have to do with age. How do you get past them? So let's say you're in the midst of a deal, whether it be real estate or whether you want to work with someone on their brand. And they say, I really like what you've created here, but I'm worried that you're too young. What do you tell them? With that, 
I always show them my track record. So I'll show them results I've gotten for other people, results I've gotten for myself. Because yeah, you could like doubt someone, but if they show you the hard cold results and the facts and the proof, then it's kind of hard to like be like, oh, you can't do this or anything or like judge them or doubt them for it. So as long as you have, for, like, for example, if I was a personal trainer or something and inside of my gym, I had a wall full of before and after pictures and bunch of testimonials from like over a thousand people. Like, would you doubt that person, even if they're young? No, you wouldn't just because they have all that proof. So it's the same thing, whether you're young or not with anything in business, testimonials, proof, just results you've gotten for people. Like that is the best way to, you know, show someone you can actually do something. So tell me how this has affected you in real estate. So you got your first property when you were 16. Did you stop there or have you purchased more properties? And is having the first property made it more possible to get involved in more deals? Yes, for sure. Because since we had more deal or we we got the first deal and we showed people the numbers, it was easier to like get other investors in that weren't part of my family. And we have gotten more deals. We also have like a short-term rental in Tennessee. That's one of my favorites. Obviously with your first deal, whether it makes money or not, you learn so much from it. But yeah, it's definitely helped me out. And yet you still can't get a traditional mortgage or can you now that you're 18? I can now that I'm 18. As I said, like, yeah, I just got pre-approved to actually get a personal home, which I actually don't know if I'm going to do or not. I It's so weird because like as a real estate investor, you don't want to rent, but also like you don't necessarily want to buy a house if it's not going to make you money. So yeah, I don't even know if I'm going to buy a house or not. We'll see. It's an interesting question, right? Because me as someone who's interested in personal finance, I always tell people, don't look at your primary property as an investment. It's just mm-hmm, not necessarily a thing to do, right? On the other hand, now that you are a real estate investor, it's probably hard to follow that advice on your own because you know the numbers and you're always thinking about how those translate. Mm-hmm. So to buy or to rent, that's a continuous question that we see in this community. I'll be interested where you eventually fall on that. How much property will be enough? Like, Will you just keep buying more and more and more? Or will there be a time where you're like, okay, this is enough. I don't need to grow anymore. I don't think there will ever be enough. I feel like with investors in general, you'll always just want to keep investing no matter what. And I guess more of the question is like, I love real estate, but I've also been super interested lately into like buying home service-based businesses. So like your HVAC company or like a cleaning company or something like that, like a business like with HVAC, I guess it's essential. Just like real estate is, you always are going to need housing and like HVAC, if something breaks, like you're going to need to get it fixed no matter what. So I've been super interested in like other asset classes lately. So I would say I'm always going to be investing, whether it's real estate or businesses. And I don't think I'll ever stop. I want to push that a little bit further. Let's say you had a distant uncle you never knew just passed away and lo and behold, he left you a billion dollars as an inheritance. Never even knew him. So you're not sad. You're not mourning him. You didn't even know him, but all of a sudden you have more money than you could ever have. How would it change your life? Would you keep on pursuing these things? Definitely. I always say this to Ben, but I just like, I don't think I'll ever retire. Like, cause I don't think I just, I don't think I'll ever be able to stop working and doing because I just enjoy working so much and like being productive. And it scares me to be like 80. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do because I'm just going to want to work. 
So let's say I do inherit a billion dollars. Obviously, I'd probably donate some, but then I'd also invest some into businesses. And yeah, but like I would have a lot of fun with it. But ultimately, like, I don't even think I would want to inherit that because like I want to be a billionaire really bad, but I want to be a billionaire because I became one, not because I just was handed the money. Why do you want to be a billionaire really bad? What does it mean to you? This is probably unhealthy, but (laughs) it's like my ultimate goal in life. Like it just, to me, that is like what success looks like in my brain. And obviously it's different for everybody, but like hitting that level that so many people like will never hit. And very few people have achieved like in the business world. I just feel like that's probably my biggest goal in life. We are talking to Ava Jurgens, who started a real estate investing company when she was 15 years old and was able to acquire $900,000 worth of real estate. And we're talking about who and what gives us the permission to do the things we really want to do. We're going to take a short break. I'm Doc G, and this is the Earn and Invest podcast. This episode of Earn and Invest is sponsored by BetterHelp. Give online therapy a try at betterhelp.com earn and get on your way to being your best self. Listen. A common misconception about relationships is that they have to be easy to be right, but sometimes the best ones happen when both people put in the work to make them great, and therapy can be a place to work through the challenges you face in all your relationships. I know because when I went to BetterHelp, one of the relationships I wanted help with was that with my father. You see, my father died when I was seven years old, and I had a lot of unresolved issues. My therapist at BetterHelp was actually really good at helping me talk about those issues and start to find answers that normally I would have tried to find with my father, but since he was no longer around, I had to find them on my own, and having a therapist was incredibly impactful in that journey. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Become your own soulmate whether you're looking for one or not. Visit BetterHelp.com earn today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot earn. Have you been using Mint to manage your finances? It was one of my favorite budgeting apps, but here's the problem. Mint is disappearing. Now we all are stuck with the question, how will we manage our budget and finances now? Well, I discovered Monarch Money, and I have to tell you, I found it simple, enjoyable, and made for users like me. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com earn. That's monarchmoney.com E-A-R-N. There's so many great things about Monarch. One is it's intuitive. When I signed up, I went to the website, and within minutes... I had had all my accounts downloaded. I connected to all my banks. It is collaborative. It's not only made for people like me, but for people like me to then share it with my spouse or my financial advisor or what have you. And Monarch is so customer focused that they're always looking for ways to improve and make their product serve us better. 
After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash earn. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash E-A-R-N for your extended 30-day free trial. We are back with Ava Jurgen. She started Personal Brand Launch to help other business owners build up their personal brands and get more leads, sales, and clients. Let's start there, Ava. What is Personal Brand Launch? Is this digital marketing? Is that what you'd consider it? Yeah, I would. And why did you get into it? And, and what drove you in that direction? For a long time, like obviously, I just did real estate. And while real estate is great, it's a very long-term thing and it, you're not going to get like rich in a year or anything. It's like, it's a long-term play. And I wanted to find another way to make some more money. So I was just brainstorming what other things am I good at? And at the time, like just cause a lot of people in real estate like to build their personal brand on social media. So I just started to do the same thing and I was able to get like in like two months, just 50,000 followers blended across like all my social media platforms or short form content. So I was like, oh, well, maybe I'll just help business owners, entrepreneurs build their personal brands on social media with specifically short form content. And so it kind of all started there. I literally decided I I was going to do that on a walk one day. And then when I got home, I called my attorney to draft up a LLC and a contract. And so the business was a thing in like 24 hours. And mm. within two weeks, I was able to get it to a six figure company. But I wouldn't have been able to do that if I like wasn't in real estate. Because with real estate, to get one deal off market, you have to like do so many sets and reps and like reach out to so many people in order to get a deal. Like you have to reach out to thousands in order to get like one good off market deal, especially when the market's so high, people like think they can sell the property for anything. So I was just so used to reaching out to so many people to get one yes. So I just applied that to a different business. And it exploded. And I wasn't prepared for that. I thought it would be the same thing in every business. So um, I'm really glad I started off in real estate because it's a lot harder than a lot of other businesses. But I didn't know that. So then when I did like apply it to another business, it just worked out really well. How long did it take you to get to your first yes? So you said it was a six-figure business within like two weeks. Was that first yes instantaneous, like day one? It was like, I want to say day two or three. And why do you and think they said yes? Honestly, like I would say, I mean, I had a mediocre script, but personal brands, they were just a really, they still are, but they were like really just a big thing at the time. And yeah, still are, but it was still kind of new when I started it. So I would say like, it was just something I would just reach out to a lot of business owners who I think would be like a great prospective client and would actually be interested in it. So I wouldn't reach out to like, anyone who I didn't think it would be good for. So I just really focused on like my ideal prospect. And yeah, again, I had a mediocre script, but then like I hopped on a phone call with them and that's kind of just how I got clients. Were you prepared? You said that success was exceedingly fast. You were not ready for that because you had seen that in real estate, you kind of have to hit your head against the wall a bunch of times before you make any headway. How did you cope with that? Like, did you have to hire someone? Did you need extra help from Ben? Like, what did you do when all of a sudden you had a bunch of clients? Yeah. So I had to stop everything I was doing with real estate for like, like right away. I had to cut it off, which was hard for me because going into the business, like I didn't want to do that. I want to just do like half and half. 
so I had to cut that off and it went from like working, like I was used to working 12 hour days, but then I was working like 16 hour days consistently every single day. Um, so eventually I had to hire and I was already working 16 hour days. So I was hiring and I had to pull all nighters while working all day and it just sucked. But eventually now we have like a team of seven people and I don't do any of the editing anymore, which I used to do all of it, which is the most time consuming part. But now we have a team of people who are way better editors than me anyway. So that's good. But yeah, it was a really big transition, but I thrive on that kind of stuff. And I honestly wouldn't have it any other way. Like I never hated it, but it was hard for a little bit. How do you feel about being a boss? I love being a boss. I love it. It's not hard. Seven people looking to you to tell them where to go, solving the problems, giving them direction. I have really great systems. That's just kind of how I built the company. Like I'm very organized and I never like to make things a mess. So I was very like systematized and stuff. And I guess sometimes it sucks when you have to like fire people. And sometimes it sucks when you have to let people down just because like maybe a mistake you made on your end. But I love it. One of the interesting things is as I listen to you, you're so amazingly successful. What have you failed at? Like, what haven't you done well at? Or what haven't you been able to accomplish that you really put your mind to? Okay. I would say for like, just in general, a lot of things I'm bad at, like kind of like I said earlier, not good at singing, not very good at sports, academics, I'm average, unless I apply myself. And I feel like I was just, yeah, kind of a very average person. So when I did pick business and just kind of marketing to focus on. And I just started learning that and absorbing that. That's when I got really good at it. But I failed at quite a few things. Like I I can tell you a huge business failure. So when I was starting my real estate investing company, this is so embarrassing. I've always been into like fitness and working out and lifting. Um, Cause like, I just never really found a sport that I like. So yeah, just like lifting weights is kind of what I ended up going for, for like activity wise. And I was just really into lifting and I had a YouTube channel kind of about it. So I decided to start when I was 15, around the time I started my real estate investing company. Uh, it was called, pers- or no, it wasn't called, sorry. That was my, it was called, I forget what it was called. It was just like us, like a gym apparel company. Mm-hmm. And ugh, I just think about it. And I made like a Shopify website, made products, you know, got all the clothes ready and everything, but I made no sales. And it was because I didn't like do good at marketing. But I didn't know that at the time, but that was, a. it was like, it was only like a $2,500 investment. And since we were couch flipping, like I could take that at 15 years old, but I guess like that was probably my, one of my biggest business failures. And then of course, like I make mistakes in business all the time and I accidentally do stuff or I accidentally hit send on the email when I wasn't done. So I have those all the time, but that was probably one of my biggest business failures, but I'm glad it happened. And I went through it publicly because I posted about it on YouTube, but I just am glad that happened. I don't know how, why, but I just think it was a great learning experience. What gives you the confidence when you mess something up big time to try again or to innovate and throw yourself back in there? Because I think that's one of the things a lot of young people and not so young people struggle with is that we have this great idea. We, we get excited about something. We throw ourselves in and then we do something stupid or we fail or we don't do a good job. And I'd say a huge number of people then stop there. And what's very clear about what you just said is that didn't stop you at all. 
So what would you kind of tell people who are listening right now? You're like, I kind of hit failure and it really bummed me out and I didn't move forward. How do you kind of move forward from that? Well, it kind of just comes down to like, what do you want your story to be? Um, do you want to just like have your story be all you tried and you failed till you gave up? Or do you want to try fail, 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 and then eventually succeed? I guess for me, it's like, I will just because I'm so passionate about business, I don't think I will ever give up. I could fail my entire life, but as long as I don't give up, I'm still in the game and I'm still winning in my mind. But if I give up, then like I having to like work for someone else and everything that is so much worse than failing. I was so, about to say, could you ever work for someone else? No, I can never. <laughs> I really <laughs> couldn't. I've never worked for someone else. So who are your role models? You mentioned Robert Kiyosaki. That was a big one that you read early, but who are some of your other role models? Yeah, so Warren Buffett, Rockefeller, Andrew Carnegie, Alex Ramosi, I really like, Grant Cardone, like people like Ed Milet, I'll say those kind of people. And of the ones that you mentioned who are living, have you met any of them yet? No, I have not, but I know I will someday. I know I will. So there are a lot of people listening right now who maybe are like you. In my population, it's probably not teenagers, but it's parents who have teenagers and Mm -hmm. who are interested in allowing their teenagers to do exactly what you did, right? Which is follow their passions and do what interested them in order to be successful. What would you tell their parents? How should they support their young kids who are maybe in the midst of high school? Maybe they're not loving high school or struggling with it. The parents are interested in finances, interested in having their kids kind of build the life they want them to live. What can parents do for the kids that kind of allows them to grow that way? Mm -hmm. So I actually get asked this question a lot from parents and kind of just about how I was raised. And I would say if you want to get them into like financial independence and all that stuff, maybe you could like suggest books, like for example, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And I feel like once they read that, they'll get hooked, but like they have to be the one to actually decide they read it. Like when I was a kid, like I had a really great childhood. I had no trauma. I grew up a really great life. I'm very blessed. And I like my parents, they really barely ever forced anything on me besides like dance classes when I was little. But for example, we got to like, this is a great example. So when I was younger, my parents never like forced me to eat healthy, but Mm -hmm. I like I could eat whatever I wanted, whether it was like honey buns or like a rice crispy treat or if I want like string cheese or carrots or something. And now I'm like super like health conscious and I always like working out and exercising because it wasn't forced on me for a long time. Another example would be for a long time, religion was forced on me. So it made me not want to participate in like in it whatsoever. But then once my parents finally like backed off a little bit, I found it on my own. And now like I'm super passionate about religion. So I'd say like, yeah, you can suggest things to your child, but ultimately they have to be the one to choose it, to actually want it. Cause whenever my parents suggested something or make me like force me to do something, it made me want it less. So the best thing you can do is kind of like back off a little bit and suggest it and kind of let them find it on their own because forcing them, is like never really going to be the solution and also kind of just letting them go through their phases. Like I had some concerning phases when I was younger and I was just like, I just had some weird phases. Like every kid does, like I was super into Ninja Turtles at one point, wearing Ninja Turtle shirt every day. So I'm just glad my parents, like they never judged me. They let me go through my phases. And I think ultimately that's why I am who I am now. 
What about the college discussion? I mean, for you, clearly going to college wasn't the right decision. Do you think that we're sending too many kids to college that we shouldn't be? I feel like a lot less people go to college or feel the pressure to go to college than before. Because there's obviously like a lot more options today. But I would say like some people are going to college. Like the experience is great. I feel like for a lot of people, but I don't think everyone needs to go that is going. I think it can put you in a lot of debt. I think it could waste a lot of time for certain people. But I think if you're going to a college to, you know, be a doctor or a lawyer or something that needs a degree, it's a great idea. But if you like don't know and you know you kind of want to go into business, but you just want to go to get drunk and hang out with friends, like maybe that isn't the best time to spend those four years, you know, and I think maybe you shouldn't go to college if that's kind of your mentality. There are a lot of people who think the way to go into business is go to college, get into a good MBA school, get your MBA, and then go into business. Do you disagree with that? Do you feel like that we've oversold that idea? I don't think we have. I think still going to college to learn about business is great, but I just don't think it's essential. But I would never judge someone for going to college to get an MBA. Right. I guess some of it is the difference of do you want to run Coca-Cola or do you want to build your own business? Exactly. And like pursue if you want something to, you want to do. If you want to go into like business and like go into one of like the Fortune 500 companies, I think college is something you should do because that's what they look for. But I'm if you want to like start your own business, you don't have to. Well, Ava, I want to thank you for being on the show today. You know, as you pitched me your services for my podcast. I really was enthralled a little bit with your story and this idea of how you had become successful so young. And part of the selfish reason to interview you was to try to really dig down deep and try to figure out what is that secret sauce? Like what made you successful at such a young age? And the answer is, I think an answer I hear over and over again, it's some of it is the freedom to pursue what you believe in. And the other portion of it is to take failure over and over again as a learning tool and to bounce right back. In fact, some of the most successful people I know don't get anxious or worried about failing or problems. In fact, more intellectually look at them and then build ways around them. And I see that you've done that over and over again in your business career. And I think that can be helpful to anyone, whether young or old, if they're trying to build their own business. Tell me, for people who might be interested in your services, how can people interact with Personal Brand Launch and what kind of people are your services appropriate for? Yeah. So if you want to interact with Personal Brand Launch, you can go to our website. It's pblaunch.com or you just head to my main Instagram, which is Ava Jurgens, and we can talk over DM or my emails on there. And my service is mainly for business owners or entrepreneurs who are looking to build their personal brand online or build their business's personal brand online in order to get more leads, clients, or customers. Because a lot, like for example, in my case, a lot of the clients I do get are all from my social media. I get at least two to three a week from social media, and these contracts are like a grand a month. So I definitely, like social media is the future, and over like 80% of transactions are taking place on there now. So I think it's definitely something all businesses need to get on whether they like it or not. And even if it's not me like helping out people, like I think you should like hire someone to come within your company or hire another agency to help you out. Tell me a success story. 
you don't have to give me names specifically, but tell me about someone who you've helped and what that looked like. Yeah. So I helped one company and they started fresh on all social media platforms. Like they weren't on it before. And this was just a local home service company. And through, we've been working together for about a year now, but through posting just short form content every single day, we've got them over 30,000 followers and they get 10 to 15 leads per week just from social media. Wow. That's impressive. Mm-hmm. Well, Ava Jurgens, thank you so much for coming on Earn and Invest today. Thank you for having me. That's a wrap. Earn and Invest is now part of the Airwave Media Podcast Network. Visit airwavemedia.com to listen and subscribe to this show as well as other fine podcasts. Okay, before I get the backlash, and I know I will get the backlash, I didn't have Ava Jurgens on today to say that college is useless or that people shouldn't go to college. I clearly don't think that's true. In fact, I think for a segment of the population, college is excellent. Maybe for a huge swath of the population. Many people after high school are not ready to go into a career. They're not ready to work for themselves or even start working for an employer. College can be a great way to develop your skills, to meet people, and certainly if you're going to go into some sort of professional school, whether that be engineering, doctoring, lawyering, accounting, etc., it is a necessary pathway. But, and of course when I say but, that means we're going to erase everything I just said, I do think we need to start considering the fact that college and the traditional path is not for Everyone. That's right. There are some people who their mind works in a different way and going to college probably doesn't improve anything for them. And the truth of the matter is we all know this is true. You go to college and the skill sets you learn there, the specific facts and knowledge you get often does not go anywhere into making you a successful human being. It's more you learn how to learn and you get connected with the right kind of people and you start to see your career unfold in front of you. But that doesn't work for everybody. I mean, there's some people who want to start businesses like Ava. There's some people who want to go into the trades. There's some people who've been coding their whole lives and probably have created enough projects that they don't need college to prove that they're capable to get hired. I think the magic of Ava's story is this idea that we are all unique individuals with different callings, and it's kind of cool that Ava, at such a young age, is actually aware of hers and can start making decisions now to plot out a life that will be happy and purposeful and fulfilling for her. Let's think about this. How many people make it to middle age, mid-career, maybe we're in our 40s and 50s, and just then start realizing that maybe we have a deeper sense of purpose and we're not fulfilling it? Why aren't we realizing this earlier? There are probably lots and lots of reasons, but part of it might be that we are shepherded and herded into doing specific things as a group. Almost all high schoolers are told that this is the way forward. This is how you become successful. You go to college, you enter corporate America or what have you, and that's how you build a life. 
And it doesn't serve everyone. In fact, it doesn't serve many people. In many ways, it didn't serve me. I was shepherded into college and then medical school, and I found that it didn't serve me, that I was probably more of a creative, that I liked creating these amazing conversations that we try to have on Earn and Invest. And that was much more fulfilling to me than practicing medicine. So I sometimes wonder, like, what if... I had been taught to pursue these things much earlier on, maybe right out of high school. Maybe I wouldn't even have gone to college. I don't know. The past is what the past is, and I have no idea what the future would have been if I had done things differently. But, and remember, but means forget everything I just said before this, but I think we have to be more thoughtful about allowing people to take their own paths and not forcing the square peg into the round hole. And I think that's what we do in society today. I think that's what really pushed the financial independence retire early movement is this idea that a lot of us square pegs just weren't fitting into the hole of working our whole lives, going into debt, and feeling controlled by our environments. I love hearing stories like Ava's. That's why I wanted to share it with you. I think it is a rallying cry that we have to start looking at our children and our peers and ourselves under the magnifying glass of what is meaningful to us and then start living those lives based on it. It's not going to be for everybody. Some people will go ahead, get a nine to five just so they can make some money and then outside of work, live the life they want to live. And there's nothing wrong with that either. But young people today, I figure, are looking for something different. And maybe, maybe, just maybe, we should support them. Awesome. I leave things running just after we're done talking for any bit of the after show. Is there anything I didn't ask you about? Anything about your story or about your business that we didn't talk about that you thought would be interesting or that you'd want people to, to know? Um, not that I can think of. Were you surprised that I asked you to be on the show? A little bit. Why? I, Tell me. I don't know. Just because like, I usually, I've been on podcasts before, but I don't know. i just I was just surprised because I mean your podcast is probably like one of the best ones I've ever been on so I guess I was just surprised thank you I'm glad <laughs> um I took so let, let's talk about your pitch I took your pitch very seriously I get lots of these kind of pitches um, I figured I'm one of those strange so I, I want you to if you don't mind on air I want you to sell me um but I'm a weird person, right? So I'm financially independent. I kind of do what I want in life, but money doesn't really affect it. But I will say that I do like the idea of getting these hopefully important conversations to more people. Um, so I struggle for two things with people like pitches like yours. One is whether it'll actually do anything, right? So I've hired some people who've done some digital content for me and it just hasn't produced much. So that's the first part. Um, and the second part is a little more philosophical as I always get stuck in. So, okay, let's say I hire you and I spend some money and I have 10,000 more followers or 20,000 more followers or even 50 more, th more thousand followers. 
I found that I get to that place and then I just want more anyway. <laughs> like, I don't know if it necessarily makes me happy. It just creates more. Now, I'm again a strange person because I'm not doing this to make a living per se. Right. Mm -hmm. Whereas I think a lot of the people you're interacting with are right. So you have a podcast or a blog or a brand. They really want to ramp up their sales, etc. Um, but I'm a little bit of a strange, strange bird when it comes to that, I think. Yeah. So I guess my question for you is before I say that, I my services exactly kind of how you said they aren't for everyone. And I don't want to work with people who I don't think are actually going to benefit from it. Mm -hmm. So my question for you is like, with social media, is your goal to get more listeners to the podcast? Is it to sell something or what would it be? Like, what would you want from it? Yeah, I think ultimately it would be to impact more people, right? So mm -hmm. if I was to think, what could social media do for me? Yeah, it would make more people aware. So I'm pretty happy with what I do. I like these conversations. I always want to improve, of course. Um, but I think the one thing, if I was to say, well, you know, what's the biggest impact issue with your podcast? It's just not enough people are aware of it. Mm -hmm. And the main way to impact people today is you either have the money to get in front of them or you have to like build the social media presence to get their eyes on you. And you used to only be able to do that through like, you know, being born into like a well-known family or being an actress or being a singer or just someone well-known. But mm -hmm. now today we have the power to do that over social media. So it's really important to take advantage of that, especially if you do want to make an impact and like get more people aware of you. So I would say the best and easiest way to do it is social media in today's day and age. Tell me this, you know, one of the things I've always found when I pay other people to do things like social media for me is it, I worry, or I feel like it isn't, it doesn't feel like it's me. And so it doesn't have as much impact, right? It doesn't feel like when you have someone else doing some of this. Now, I guess, yes, you can take clips and things that are me, right? You can take clips from my videos, et cetera. Um, but I always felt like you needed the personal touch of doing it yourself so that people felt it was specifically you as, as opposed to someone you hired to do it. Do you run into that as an issue? Actually, I had a sales call yesterday and this awesome woman, she's amazing. She was actually saying the opposite. She said um, that she wanted to show people she cared about social media. So she wanted to show people like she wanted people to see the difference from like her doing it compared to when she actually hired me. Mm -hmm. And she wanted people to see that she was putting in like actual like money and effort to get these nicer videos out there. So I have honestly I haven't heard that, but I totally get what you're saying because that personal touch is so important. But with a lot of my clients, we find ways to actually incorporate those personal touches if that's something that's like really meaningful to you. But I would say that I haven't heard too many people like have that kind of thought process. But I admire that you do. I admire that you want to be authentic. Hey there, I'm Dylan Lewis, one of the hosts of Motley Fool Money. Each weekday on Motley Fool Money, we talk through the business news you need to know and the stories moving stocks on Wall Street. On weekends, we dive into the industries shaping tomorrow and host the experts, authors, and executives that understand them. Tune in for insights, a long-term perspective on investing, and of course, stock ideas, plenty of them. To quote a listener, it pays to listen. Check us out and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Tech moves fast. So keep pace with the Daily Crunch podcast from TechCrunch. With new episodes every day, this podcast will give you a quick overview on everything you need and should know about startups, new tech, regulations, and more. 
Listen to TechCrunch Daily Crunch now, wherever you get your podcasts. That's TechCrunch Daily Crunch, wherever you get your podcasts.